Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You are listening to the One Good Scare podcast with Natalie Zamora and Max Mello. Hey everyone, welcome back. It's a new episode of the One Good Scare podcast. I'm Natalie Zamora and I'm joined by my co-host Max Mallow. And today is a good day for a lot of reasons in America. Um, Another good reason is that we're going to talk about our favorite horror movies of all time. So, you know, just all positive stuff here today. Yeah, we're recording this on Inauguration Day, so... You know, we're not going to talk too much about politics on this show, whether whatever side of the political spectrum you're on. But happy Inauguration Day. A new president has been sworn in. And yeah, this is a topic uh, that I'm really excited for. Uh, We've each built our list of our five favorite horror movies of all time. We'll talk about the difference between our favorite horror movies versus, you know, the best horror movies, because a lot of people um, pick some of the best ones as their favorites, but also some of the best ones also aren't other people's favorites, but they respect them for being so iconic for what they've done for the genre and movies as a whole. So that'll be really exciting. But of course, before we get into that, we've got our weekly horror news roundup. Natalie has scoured the internet for all the news that you need to know. And we have three major stories to talk about. That's like my favorite thing to do. I don't know why. <laughs> Just hype you up. Of like, the internet. Yeah, Natalie has used Google to find everything. <laughs> she typed horror news in Google. Yeah. Um, but yeah, three really exciting stuff uh, going on in uh, in horror. First off, uh, James Wan, uh, his new horror movie coming out this year, Malignant, uh, has uh, received its like first look from Collider and... A lot of people should know James Wan from The Conjurings. Uh, he's one of the most popular horror Dead directors. Dead Silence. Yeah, Dead Silence. Oh, what a classic. Ryan Quantin. Um, but yeah, Malignant. Um, Collider did a first look at the movie. Uh, it's now got an R rating, and it's got uh, what Collider described as a, a day-to-date 2021 release in theaters and HBO Max. So for everyone who's really excited about what's coming out on HBO Max this year from the big... Uh, movie studios this one will be available and Mm -hmm. give me the lowdown on malignant because i think no matter what james wan does i i'll give it a watch no matter what once it comes out yeah so this one it's like i've been looking forward to it just because it's james wan but also like there's no official synopsis for it yet and i kind of like i know it's supposed to come out in 2021 and that's about it. So it's exciting to see this first look. Um, we know that Annabelle Wallace is going to be the star. She was in the Annabelle movie, actually, two Annabelles. Um, so that's exciting. And the first look comes from a it's a mini like teaser that uh, Warner Brothers released in their collaboration with HBO Max just to hype up their releases this year. And in a quick frame there is uh a part where 
the actress Annabelle Wallace is laying down. The lights are kind of neon and there's like something behind her. She looks really scared and that's all we really know. So like what genre does this look like to you? Just with the neon lights, it makes it look like sci-fi and it kind of looks like some monster is behind her, but I could be completely wrong. Yeah, it could be sci-fi, might be some supernatural paranormal aspects to it as well. Um, an interesting part from the Collider article that I like that caught my eye was that there have been uh, like everything's been kept under wraps. Whether there's any tie-ins to other Wan movies that he's released mm. uh, in the past, so it'll be interesting to see if this works into a universe that he's created in some shape or form. But I think sci-fi with supernatural is probably a, a safe bet. But I could also see there not being any supernatural elements and wanting to see him do. Crumpling some something completely outside of, you know, say the conjuring. Yeah. Yeah. I want to just assume that it's supernatural and that it's going to be, you know, ghosts and everything just because of his more recent films. But that's just, you know, me making assumptions. We really don't have anything to go off of except for this little frame. So I'm excited though. Yeah, me too. And then speaking of the conjuring, uh, next piece of news, <laughs> conjuring one and two are coming to Netflix in February. <laughs> They've been on Netflix before, but as you know, Netflix movies online cycle in and out, and people will be like, oh, I'm going to watch this tomorrow, and then they log in the next day, and it's gone, and they were like, oh, crap. Um, so, always. Yeah, it always happens. Um, so if you guys haven't seen these movies, check them out. They're, at least the first one is one of the most popular horror movies released in our lifetimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Vera Farmiga and Patrick Wilson, absolutely spectacular in this movie. And yeah, if you want to check it out and you're i guess still on the fence on whether or not you want to cancel your netflix subscription (laughs) because you know streaming sites like amazon prime and hbo max have in our opinion jumped netflix in terms of what it offers for horror movies uh Mm -hmm. give the conjuring one and two a watch but i wanted to briefly go over that because it's exciting it's not crazy news because it's been on there before but this last piece of news is so (laughs) exciting and it got our little group chat going because Nicolas Cage has a new horror movie coming out. And one, I love Nicolas Cage. Two, I haven't seen oh, – if you haven't seen Mandy, go watch it. It's a f- yeah. fun, weird time. And <laughs> he's crazy. He's crazy. And three, he's in a new movie called Willy's Wonderland where he takes on <laughs> demonic animatronics. And it looks hilarious. Yeah, I'm definitely going to watch this. It says that it's going to come out February 12th in theaters and on demand. So it's probably going to be the hefty $20 price. Um, Unsure if I'm going to do it. But if I'm really, you know, desperate for something to watch one day, perhaps I will. Or, you know, maybe in a few months after that, it'll go down to like $5.99 or something. So we'll see. But this looks so just chaotic and can you explain, like, what is the backlash that you were mentioning before that people are like, oh, it's like a ripoff of Five Nights at Freddy's, the video game? Is that what people are saying? Yeah, so Five Nights at Freddy's <laughs> is a popular horror game. It's a long time ago that the original came out, but... I've played it before. Oh, you have? And I play video games, yeah, because one of my good friends, Scott, like, loved it at one point and was like, it's horror. You would like it. And it was, I mean, it was kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it's a goofy game. It's not, like, yeah. the best video game of all time or anything like that. Um, but 
it's iconic. Like the the series has become really popular um, among. I'd say, I mean, back then it must have been like 18. So like, I guess young adults now, somewhere around our age, maybe, maybe even a little younger. Um, But it's the same premise, you know, haunted, demonic animatronics. And everyone thinks that Five Nights at Freddy's invented (laughs) demonic animatronics, which, you know, is not the case, but they certainly popularized it, right? And took Mm -hmm. it to a a big, um, like nerd culture no nerd culture level scale um mm-hmm. so i think people are really upset that this seems like a total ripoff i mean you know it's nick cage nick cage hasn't really been doing big hollywood movies in a long time mm-hmm. um but i mean you know if we actually get a real five nights at freddy's movie that's fine like this is this happens in hollywood all the time like do you, yeah. like i'm sure people remember when we got olympus has fallen and White House Down, two movies. <laughs> the same year, I'm yeah. pretty sure. <laughs> like Jamie Foxx and Channing Tatum doing the same thing that Gerard Butler was doing. And it was like, just Hollywood does this all the time. Like, I don't know why people are so up in arms about this. This is like, just enjoy it for what it is. If you want to be a little upset that it's not coming out before Five Nights at Freddy's, so people might ignore Five Nights at Freddy's when it comes out and be like, oh, was this a ripoff of the yeah. Cage thing? And people want to get all up in arms. <laughs> um, but, you know, just... Do a little research, educate yourself. Everyone should know Five Nights at Freddy's because it's it's well respected, um, and deserves the respect that it got. But let's enjoy this because I want to see Nick Cage kick the asses of, <laughs> and I quote, what director uh, Kevin Lewis told Entertainment Weekly as Willie the Weasel, Artie the Alligator, and Gus the Gorilla. <laughs> the trio yeah apparently there's eight of them in total and there was a line in the trailer which like actually ticked me off because i just went on a whole spiel about like let's not get all up in arms about this stuff but like one of the one of the actors was like he's not trapped in trapped in here with them they're trapped in here with him and (laughs) i was like wait a second that's a like blatant ripoff from Watchmen and Rorschach when he's in prison. And I was like, oh no. But yeah, this looks like fun. Why not? Yeah. And I also, I hadn't really known what the status of the Five Nights of Freddy movie was, but I just looked it up. Apparently, the last update was that it's supposed to start filming in spring of this year. So it's not coming out anytime soon. I think it'll probably, you know, if it actually follows this it will come out maybe next year or even after that. So I think it's fine. Yeah. Like Nick Cage is a polarizing actor. Either people love him or they don't care about him. Right. I don't think people like vehemently hate Nick Cage and Nick Cage is like one of my favorite actors of all time. Just like Mm -hmm. growing up watching his action movies. Um, So yeah, just let this rock. It's going to be bad, but it'll be good. If you catch, yeah. if you catch my drift, so I'm really excited for this movie. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for—just like a good bad movie—and it has, you know, it has that potential for sure. Yeah, uh, so it'll be in theaters and on digital and on demand. That's a run-on sentence. Screen <laughs> Media Films—you need to check your YouTube description. Uh, February 12th, and as it just says in the trailer description, when his car breaks down, a quiet loner agrees to clean an abandoned family fun center in exchange for repairs. He soon finds himself waging war against possessed animatronic mascots while trapped inside Willie's Wonderland. 
What more do you That's need? What more do you need? Yeah. That's all I need. Yeah, that that really is. It sounds like a banger, and I absolutely must watch it. Same. We will be 100% doing an episode review on this movie. Yeah. I'm putting my foot down now. So after it comes out, look out for the review from us because it's going to be bad, but it's going to be good. Um, so yeah, that's the weekly horror news roundup. Malignant, Willy's Wonderland, and Conjuring 1 and 2. So let's get into our topic for today, which is our five favorite horror movies each. So yeah, where do we start with this? Because both of our opinions are, are uh, I say, pretty much aligned when it comes to what we enjoy from horror movies. Um, mm. Our lists are very different, but it's safe to say that we both love the movies on each other's lists. Mm-hmm. And there are some movies on both of our lists that come into this discussion of being a lot of people's favorite horror movies, but also being some of the best horror movies at times, uh, of their times rather. And it comes to this discussion of like favorite movies versus the best movies, because there is a difference. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, it, there's always people that are quick to judge when you say my favorite movie is this, anything, no matter the genre. And people are like, that movie sucked. Or, you know, there's this, that, and the other movie that's way better. And it's like, okay, but favorite and best are just so different. Like you said, Max, you can really respect a movie, especially if it's a classic, especially if it was like revolutionary for the time and say that's one of the best movies ever. But are you going to throw it on on, you know, a Friday night when you just want to relax and watch something you love? Maybe not, you know. So I think it's important to differentiate the two and say this is a no judge zone. And, you know, I think also with a lot of my favorite movies, um, it has to do with, you know, the nostalgic factor and the memories you associate with the movies, you know, say, you know, one of these movies I watched for the first time with my dad when I was younger, and it was a really great day growing up and stuff like that. So I think those things really, really are important when thinking about, you know, your favorite movies. And like you said, too, they could be the best and your favorite, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes a movie that you know is kind of bad might just be super enjoyable to watch and you love it anyway. Exactly. You put it very well. Like, That's my spiel. Yeah, no, it's it's well said because like some of the movies on my list are in no shape or form the best movies in their genre, right? But, uh, you know, each of them, when I was going through my list, I was thinking of like, okay, I know what my number one is. I know what like number two is. Mm-hmm. And then I was like thinking about like horror movies that – had a a big important moment in my life in terms of either like the first horror movie I ever saw in theaters that I really loved or um you know a classic or something that really opened up my eyes to the genre of horror and really got me into it and that's like the approach I took with building my list and like I said when you look at both of our lists there are movies on there that are that like I'm sure we each have a story for them and like even movies on your list that I have stories for that I can mm-hmm. personally tell um, because it's all subjective, right? It's all one's opinion um, and nobody's opinion can be wrong. It's, mm-hmm. it's just an opinion, um, but opinions can also be wrong. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like I'm assuming you all have like a special moment attached to most of these movies on your list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I think this is a great way to open up discussion and let 
you know, people who want to comment and leave reviews on the podcast as well, like we'll mention at the end of the episode, to chime in with what your favorite horror movie is of all time, or what's your favorite best horror movie of all time, or what you think the best horror movie is, and what you think your favorite horror movie is, and why. I think yeah. it's just a fun discussion to have because, like, I could say my favorite movie of all time is Scott Pilgrim versus the World, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, critically acclaimed has a huge cult following, but for a lot of people, it's not the best movie of all time for a lot mm. of people citizen kane is the best movie of all time and right like you said i'm not throwing that on to just watch on a saturday when i'm home <laughs> bored so yeah i'm really excited to get into our lists do you want to go first yeah um so the first movie i actually do think this is the best horror movie of all time so this is kind of one of those that goes hand in hand but I really enjoy watching it. And I feel like every time I watch it, it's a different experience. Um, And that is The Shining. Um, We've talked about this movie in our podcast before. um, So we can just get into it. It is from 1980. And of course, it's directed by Stanley Kubrick. And it's based on the Stephen King novel. I am a Stephen King fan. And I have not read this book only because I watched it when I was probably like in middle school or something or yeah, probably early middle school. And I wasn't really into Stephen King's books yet. And then once I started reading his books, I just kept hearing and, you know, reading the rumors of everything of like Stephen King hated the Shining adaptation, you know, so much different than than his book. Um, And I think some of that was exaggerated. I don't think he completely, you know, hated the movie, but that kind of turned me off from the book. Um, So now, you know, in more recent years, I've thought, okay, I should read the book now. So this is a, you know, opinion on the movie without having read the book. But I think this movie is just so perfect. Um, Jack Nicholson is the lead and he is one of the greatest actors ever. He is just so good at, you know, conveying different emotions and for lack of a better word, being a crazy person which, you know, he is in this in this movie. And I think just the amount of, you know, all the confusing things in the movie that you kind of have to take for your own interpretation and the big twist at the end and the overall vibe, which is so suspenseful. You don't, like the first time you're watching it, you don't know what's going to happen, of course, but you know something really bad is going to happen because of the pacing, the music, just how... Jack Torrance gradually goes mad, I think is perfect. And this is just a movie that, like I said, it's a different experience every time I watch it. If it's on TV, I have to watch it until the end. And yeah, that is my number one favorite. Yeah, I don't think many would criticize you for picking that as your favorite movie. And I think a lot of people would agree with you that it is probably one of, if not the best horror movie uh, of all time. And The Shining, my favorite thing about The Shining is that, like, when I was growing up, my best friend, uh, Nick, had always been like, The Shining's my favorite horror movie of all time. It's Mm -hmm. terrifying and all this. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm not going to watch that. That sounds really scary. Um, But when I, I had a film class when I was in college, and we watched the Here's Johnny clip, and I was like, holy cow, like, this is amazing. Uh, yeah. So I eventually watched it and it scared the pants off of me. Uh, and I think that's, you know, in part to Stanley Kubrick's uh, style of directing, 
because up until then I had seen Clockwork Orange and mm-hmm. Full Metal Jacket, and both of those movies are like they give you just this uneasy like feeling when you're watching Stanley Kubrick films, which is a testament mm-hmm. to his his visionary style of directing. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I think a lot of people, us included, can criticize movie, movies for, especially horror movies, is being slow at times. And yeah. The Shining, while it is a long movie, never once feels like it's slow or that st- stuff is dragging on. There's always that uneasy, tense feeling when watching the movie. And every scene is so important. And it's a movie that... Mm-hmm deserves multiple watches to go back and see yeah. if you can find things. Watching the documentary on it was awesome uh, to learn more about just all the theories that people have about it and yeah. whether or not Jack was part of the hotel the entire time. It's just amazing that this movie can do so much uh, and be an adaptation of someone else's work. Uh, who's also an icon in his own right. And mm-hmm. all the acting is fantastic. I, I can't say enough about The Shining. I'm so lo- I'm so happy that before COVID happened, uh, I was able to go to a movie theater in the city and watch it yeah. on the big screen. It was an awesome experience. Yeah, I agree. I did that as well. And it was such a game changer. Like there are so many movies that, you know, I think we both enjoy that were for the, from the 70s, 80s, even the 90s that we weren't able to see in the big screen, of course. So getting that opportunity is awesome. And if anyone has an opportunity to watch a movie that you love that you've never seen in theaters, um, do it after COVID whenever, whenever it's safe out there. Um, highly recommend it. So we'll continue with our favorite horror movies, but first we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Okay. So do you want to take turns or do you want me to go to my next favorite? No, power through your list and I'll give, I'll give my thoughts on them and we'll go through mine. (laughs) Okay, cool. So my next one is another Stephen King adaptation. I did read this book, but I read it after the movie because I watched this movie pretty young. Um, It is Carrie. 1976 we have talked about this movie on the podcast before of course because it's a Stephen King adaptation and we did an episode on Stephen King adaptations so um, it's directed by Brian De Palma and this movie is one of the first movies that's ever scared me I I remember watching it on demand somewhere with my cousin Laura and it was back in middle school where, you know, we had so much free time and nothing really to do. So we just watched so many movies and we started getting into horror movies. And I remember just even the opening scene with Sissy Spacek is so eerie and she's such a great actress. And obviously the prom scene at the end is so iconic and watching it growing up, I was so scared of her. Um, I think that really just shows what a great actress uh, Sissy Spacek is. And it's funny, you know, watching this movie now because, you know, John Travolta is in it who, you know, it's just pretty funny because it's John Travolta. Growing up, I was like, oh, the guy from Greece, cool. And now, you know, it's a little bit more comical. But I think overall, you know, this movie is so good and it's pretty short. It's 98 minutes. I think it's a pretty, like, concise linear story and there's not much to interpret um in contrast to the shining but i think the story is just so you know people can relate to being bullied 
Um, and this takes it to another level of like, what if the person, you know, had these supernatural telekinesic powers? And I love this movie. <laughs> I'm with you. This is one of the movies that also first scared me like yeah. hell as a kid because I remember watching it on AMC's Fear Fest mm -hmm. and not knowing what I was getting into once the prom scene happened. I was yeah. like really, really scared. Um, and if you guys haven't watched our episode on Stephen King adaptations, go ahead and watch it uh, because we talk a lot about this movie because of uh, its cultural importance for mm -hmm. bringing Stephen King to the big screen yeah. and, and spawning everything we know today about his movies. Um, so I'm not going to like approve of every entry on your list, but <laughs> like another great entry here um, and one that everybody should watch. And also give the Rage Carry Two a watch because that's a bad good movie as well. <laughs> and probably skip the remake because it did nothing new. We've talked about it, but yep. agreed. Um, and then my next one on the list is oh, I think I went out of order a little bit. That's okay. My next one on the list is Psycho, um, the original, not the Vince Vaughn version um, from whenever that came out. I didn't watch it. Looked terrible. So the original is, of course, Alfred Hitchcock. It came out in 1960. And this is just one of the most influential horror movies ever. Um, obviously, Alfred Hitchcock is was a huge part of the horror um, verse and making it what it is today. Everyone, you know, most influential directors now take inspiration from Hitchcock. It's really hard not to because he really was the master. And this movie also, I have a good memory of watching um, growing up when I was getting into horror again. I don't remember what I watched it on, but it did scare me. And, you know, the Anthony Perkins as Norman Bates is just such a great character. He's your typical creep, but with a twist. And I think a lot of shows and movies now try to recreate his effect and just his type of character. I mean, obviously Bates Motel is a TV show, but apart from that, um, I think just that creepy guy type. And I think he, it's just been done a million times, but this is really the first great time in my opinion. Um, and of course, Janet Lee, so great. Um, and this is just one of those movies that you really don't know what's going to happen. Of course, I'm sure now if you watch it for the first time, you know what happens because it's so influential and everyone talks about the ending. But the ending when we see Norman's mother as kind of a, the skeletal thing in the basement, that scared the shit out of me the first time I watched it. I remember I like screamed and it was just such like a fun moment watching that and being like, holy shit, like that just happened. And I'm glad that this turned out to be, you know, such an important movie in in movies in general, not just horror movies. Um, and I have not read the book. So <laughs> I'm going to say that for like every one of these. Just letting you know, I'm either a book fan or not a book fan. Fair yeah. enough. Um yeah, in that same class I talked about where you watch the John, the Here's Johnny clip, uh, mm -hmm. that film class in college, everything uh, in the, the class was about horror movies. Mm -hmm. And we watched all of Psycho at the end of it because it was like a three-hour class. And oh, yeah. for any college students, you know, once 
it's safe to go back on campus or anything like that, take a film class. It's fun. Yeah, I uh, agree. Those were always my favorite. Yeah, it was one class a week, three hours. And I was just mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. Like, why not? And then it ended up leading to me getting a film minor. So um, when I watched Psycho for the first time, which was in that class, I always knew about, you know, the iconic shower scene. The shower scene, yeah. It's one of the most iconic scenes in all of movies. And like you, when they go into the basement and they find Norman's mother, I was super scared and trying not to act scared in a class with a bunch of other students was really, really hard, but I was genuinely scared. It, it creeped the hell out of me because at this time I wasn't a big horror buff to begin with. So this like genuinely, like genuinely shook me. Yeah, and it's crazy that this movie is from 1960, and I think it has the effect, the fear effect that many movies now can do. So it's really not a matter of, you know, it being old or not having the technology that we have today or CGI or whatever it kind of is. Like, this was so effective, and it's still scary today, which which is really cool to see. I think, you know, there's... So many people will bring up so many examples of older movies that are still scary today. And I think this is really the only one. Like, I don't think The Exorcist is scary and people try to say that it is scary today. You know what I mean? Like, I think this one actually really holds up in the fear department. Yeah, unless, like, for me, I still find, like, The Exorcist makeup and the puking and all that stuff. That stuff still creeps me out doesn't mm-hmm. like super scare me but it like makes me go like Ugh. Um, <laughs> but yeah like it, again this is a testament like for all the movies that you picked on the list um a lot of iconic directors mm-hmm. as you continue to go through your, your top five but hitchcock and, and kubrick are two legends in all of movies um yeah and he like it's crazy that it still holds up today which is awesome. Yeah, I agree. And then my next movie, this is the last one on my list that is one of the, you know, quote unquote classics. Um, I'll get to one a newer favorite in a second, but my next one is a controversial pick. It's Rosemary's Baby, 1968. Controversial because of anyone listening, Roman Polanski is uh, not a good person, a sexual, you know, was accused of sexual assault, fled the country, all that kind of stuff. So it is controversial. The last time I watched this, I kind of had the feeling of like, should I even be watching this movie? Like, you know what I mean? It's such like so hard with cancel culture and you don't really know if you should be supporting someone or, you know, can you still appreciate art when it was produced so long ago? You know, it's a fine line and that's probably another conversation that we can have um, elsewhere. But you know, I recognize it, and I think I can still kind of say that Rosemary's Baby is one of the best, you know, horror movies ever made, and one of my favorites, so there's that. Just gotta, you know, add the little disclaimer of not supporting Roman Polanski and everything like that. So, getting into the movie, um, another one that I actually remember renting this from Blockbuster, because one of my mom's, like, good friend's saw that I liked horror and he was like have you watched Rosemary's Baby and I like in middle school was like I have not I have no idea what that is um 
So, and this is funny because this is one of these movies that I, when I watched it when I was younger, I really liked it, but I didn't really think it was scary at all. And then as I watched it when I got older, I was like, oh no, this is really, really creepy. And there's a scene at the end that is just is just terrifying and there are so many movies that have tried to copy this like mother with jennifer lawrence took so much inspiration from rosemary's baby i was watching mother and the entire time i was like this is rosemary's baby come on what are you doing but mia farrow is a star and she absolutely kills it i think this is a really good example of a female-led horror movie where the woman is portrayed you know really strong and she is really messed with and is terrible and the ending is just so as a woman it's really terrifying so I do really love this movie even if there is you know a glaring issue with it um and it is one of my favorites yeah Rosemary's Baby I've never seen Rosemary's Baby but I've seen Mm -hmm. a lot of things that have like Rosemary's Baby influences um like Rosemary's Baby is a huge part of the first season of American Horror Story, Mm -hmm. uh, as are a lot of other horror movies. Like, even The Shining is referenced in Halloween. I I love the first season of American Horror Story. One of the best seasons. Just amazing season of television. Uh, And the... What is it? uh, Quentin Tarantino's latest movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood... Yeah. References the fact and also that Roman Polanski lives next door to Leo DiCaprio, the, the main character, and mm-hmm. that he's living off of all of the success of making Rosemary's Baby. Um, mm-hmm. So I thought that like captured perfectly how big of a star he became from this yeah. movie. Um, but of course, all the stuff you mentioned that came after it was not good. So like this movie... Uh, like you said, Mia Farrow is is amazing in this movie. Uh, just a all time great actress. Uh, mm-hmm. Ruth Gordon even won a Best Supporting Oscar for this movie. Uh, I need to give it a watch because I I would say it probably goes into that iconic status for a lot of people. Yeah, I think so. And just to note, it is a book. I haven't read it. And they tried to do a mini series in 2014 with. Uh, I forget who was in it. I watched like the first episode and, oh, and I um, didn't like it. What's her name from uh, Zoe Star Saldana. Trek? Yeah, from Zoe Sal- Yeah, she's in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of fell off, and then I saw bad reviews, so I was like, okay, I'm not gonna watch it. But yeah, do you want an interesting fact about Zoe Saldana? Mm-hmm. Who, uh, is also Gamora in the Marvel mm-hmm. Cinematic Universe and Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, She's been in three of the highest-grossing films of all time, which are Avatar, mm-hmm. Avengers: Infinity War, and Avengers: Endgame. So, she is the second highest-grossing film actress of all time, as of 2019. The second highest. Who's the first? Good question. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't do that much into research. I just clicked on her Wikipedia page, mm-hmm. and it really caught my eye because it's that right at the top. But isn't that, yeah. isn't that crazy though? Yeah, she's in a lot of blockbusters, and I feel like, well, in Avatar, she has a starring role, but in the other ones, it's kind of more, you know, supporting, and you might forget that she's in it, just because it feels like she's in every movie, to be honest. Yeah, I can't remember what was the first movie that I saw that made me remember her. It might have been Star Trek, or it might have been Columbiana, which is also a fun action 
thriller movie, which is really good. Um, but yeah, I I didn't know they did a a mini series of it. Yeah, I didn't really like it. Not surprised. And so there's a book. You haven't read the book. We made that clear. Yeah. Okay, cool. Just making yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And my number five, I decided to go with a more recent pick. Um, I think most of my favorites are older just because I have the memories of watching them, you know, either with my cousin or with my dad growing up. And those were the first movies that made me love horror. There were definitely a lot of guilty pleasures at that time as well. But I kind of watched them once and thought, cool, there was a gory scene and then never watched it again. So I wasn't, you know, a film Twitter, a huge, you know, film critic back in my middle school days. But these are the ones that I kept watching as I got older. Um, So my final one is a 2018 film. It's Hereditary. Spoken about this movie so many times on the podcast and so many times in my life. It is one of my, it's probably my favorite movie, you know, in in recent years, Um, not even just horror. And Ari Aster, this is his first movie, um, which is incredible because it, it turned out so well. I think this is another 10 out of 10, just perfect for me. And Toni Collette, I know you really like her, Max. And I do too. She was robbed of all the awards for this movie. I know it's always, you know, taboo and the Academy Awards and the Golden Globes are so against horror movies, even when they're such great performances. And this is a huge example of that. I think she did a tremendous job in the leading role in this movie. And there's also Alex Wolf, Millie Shapiro and Gabriel Byrne, who are her family members. And they each, you know, just kill it. This movie is pretty scary, I will say. You know that I I really have a tolerance here and I don't think things are scary, but I would say people will think this movie is scary. Um, and there are creepy parts. There are definitely shocking parts. It's one that you will pay attention to from start to finish because of all the unexpected turns. And this is just a no-brainer for me. I will watch it anytime, any day. If somebody I'm hanging out with hasn't seen it and is like, oh, let's watch a movie, this is what we're going to watch. So, And it is not based on a book. It was written by Ari Aster. <laughs> All right, so you didn't have to worry about this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, in a, I'd say like 20 years or so, I want to see how well Hereditary holds up. And mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people in our generation, when we get older, we'll look back and look at Hereditary and be like, that's my favorite horror movie of all time. I'm going to mm-hmm. put this on for my kids who are of age to watch horror movies. You know, yeah. I'm not going to put it on for my 10-year-old and be like, watch this, have fun. Um, <laughs> I, hands up, still haven't seen Hereditary. Need to watch mm-hmm. it. Um, I get criticized for that every day. but <laughs> Every day. Every day. I, uh, I can't heap enough praise onto Toni Collette. She is amazing. If you haven't seen, I'm thinking of anything. She's only in it for a short bit, but she kills it in that movie too. Um, and this is just, uh, I think for a lot of people, the point at which A20, like everyone was like, what is A24? Let me, yeah. let me check out everything that this company has done. And like, it just skyrocketed, just mm-hmm. absolutely took off. And, you know, there's not just horror movies under the A24 banner. A lot of people might think that, um, one of my favorite A24 movies, which I watched last year, 
uh, like right around when COVID happened was Jonah Hill's mid nineties. Oh, yep. Which I absolutely love. Another A24 movie. Um, I believe Lady that Bird. Lady Bird is fantastic. I believe the disaster artist is also an A24 film. Yeah, I think it is. And I think I realized that like way after we watched it because I didn't know what A24 was when that movie came out. Yeah, me either. I, uh, <laughs> oh man that whole experience of going to see that movie was hilarious yeah <laughs> such a good movie uh so yeah give your list a quiet round of applause i don't want to clap <laughs> too loud into the microphone but into the mic, yeah. great list you got a great balance of of movies that like like i said which is important it's movies that mean something to you that have yeah an importance in your life and all movies that a lot of people respect because of either their impact on the genre or for just scaring the pants off you, which like you said, you have a high tolerance for getting yeah. the pants scared off you. So I'm genuinely surprised that Carrie and Psycho actually scared you. Yeah. Uh, they did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was. I always, we always used to come into work. I'd be like, you see this movie? It scared the crap out of me. And you're like, Eh. And I'm like, does anything scare you? And like, it's funny to hear that Psycho and Carrie scared you because those are two movies that also scared me when I was younger. But mm. like, that wouldn't be on my like number one. I was like, all right, let me think of the actual scariest movie I know or something that's just like obscenely gross, like yeah, Green Inferno or something like that. Something where it's just a lot of body horror and gore. I'd be like, yeah, that probably scared you, right? And you're like, nah, not really. <laughs> Yeah, usually like the torture porn and like the the gory stuff, I don't mind it. It doesn't really phase me, but it it's more of like either the psychological or jump scares will get me sometimes, um even though those can be really cheaply used or just like just general suspense is usually what gets me over the the blood and the gore. Fair enough. Great list. Thank you. <laughs> so, it's time for my list. Yeah. All right. So my list, my list is very interesting. My list does not have all of the movies on here that are just like widely acclaimed by a lot of people. Um, mm -hmm. Three of them mean something to me, um, but two of them, I think a lot of people will uh, agree on as a whole. And mm -hmm. the first one on my list, which is my favorite horror movie of all time is Scream from Wes Craven. Uh, the 1996 film that starred, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and Drew Barrymore for like five minutes. Um, yeah. But this was a movie I first watched when I was a junior in high school. And I was very picky with the horror movies that I watched because <laughs> things like Freddy creeped me out. I was like, yo, that dude's just creepy looking. I don't want to deal with that. And like the, jumps, <laughs> the jump scare aspect of it. I was very much a wimp to jump scares. Mm-hmm. Scream has its its fair share of like tiny jump scares, but Ghostface as a whole wasn't this creepy looking dude. It's just a guy wandering around in a Halloween mask uh, mm -hmm. that you know I had seen a bunch growing up because people would come to like <laughs> middle school dressed mm -hmm. as Ghostface and they'd have the the pump that poured the blood down the mask. Yeah. So when I watched this movie, like this movie just opened my eyes up to the world of horror because of just what I now know. Uh, is how meta it is and mm -hmm. the word meta to me didn't mean anything back then <laughs> but just it's, its take on the horror genre and uh, someone I didn't mention but Jamie Kennedy who is one of my 
favorite, oh, yeah. if not probably, he's probably my favorite character in, in the series mm-hmm. um, of just breaking down how to survive a horror movie and laying out the rules and just giving fans like letting the, the movie let the fans know that the fans knew what was going on and yeah. didn't want to come off as a stupid movie. And when the twist happens at the end, it's that that's probably like a top five scene for me in all of movies when when uh when billy is there explaining everything yeah with, uh, with Stu, and then Stu gets killed by the tv oh uh, it's just oh it's so good i love this movie so much yeah i agree i was thinking of when i was thinking of my favorite horror movies um i was like all right scream is definitely on there but i know for a fact max is gonna is gonna have that as his number one or two so i refrained from from putting it on my list but yeah i love this movie i think it's so funny and so effective and like you said the ending when they're kind of explaining like this is what happens in a horror movie I remember growing up watching that and being like wait I watched too many horror movies but like thank god I'm not like that um and I just thought it was hilarious because they use so many tropes but it's it's obvious that they're making it obvious um so it's just such a fun movie and I think like you said especially as a horror fan like it's so enjoyable it's done really well yeah, and I think what's, what drew me to it, because I was still a little bit of a scaredy cat back then, yeah. was that I was more invested in the whodunit aspect of it, mm-hmm. because it's a mystery throughout the entire film, who Ghostface is. And in the end, it's not one, but it's two, and it's who you thought it might be all along, but the movie was leading you along the path of it not being him. It's It's so well done. I love this movie. And it does the awesome twist of having a big name star like Drew Barrymore just absolutely killed off in the first five minutes in a super gory way. Yes. I love when they do that. And even just having like, you know, I love when they have the intro of a character that, or a group of characters that are, you know, like adjacent to the main characters. Like in this case, she went to their school. They knew who she was, but she wasn't in the friend group. And, you know, they get killed off in like this huge, awesome opening. And then it's like, okay, here's our main characters in the story. Like, I think that's usually pretty effective. And this is the prime example of that. Yep. And every character brings its own uh, unique flair to the scene, whether it's Dewey, who's the bumbling cop and he falls in love with Gail Weathers and that carries on to the rest of the series. Mm -hmm. It's all so well done. And then it just carries on for the rest of the franchise. And, you know, two is okay. Three is bad. Four is a guilty pleasure. <laughs> that's how mo- that's how I really describe most franchises. After yeah, right. The, the really good ones. Um, but yeah, so that's the first one on my list. We'll get into the rest of my list after this quick break. Alrighty, and we're back. So going into my list now, number one was Scream. And I listed them here in order, but I'll put them in order in terms of my favorites of all time. Um, mm-hmm. Number two is 2019's The Lighthouse from Robert Eggers. Uh, This was my favorite movie released in all of 2019. Uh, I thought it was the best picture. Uh, One of the Mm -hmm. best psychological horror movies I've ever seen because it's just a really a thrill ride, but my eyes were were glued to the screen for for its entire runtime. And that's uh, in credit to Robert Eggers' Uh, directing his choice to shoot it in black and white 
and also the acting skills of Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson, who steal the screen, they steal the show, they just, they're amazing. Uh, Another A24 movie, and basically the whole premise of it is that Ephraim Winslow uh, goes to serve at a lighthouse in New England off the coast uh, with Willem Dafoe. And they uh, basically go mad as Ephraim Winslow and Thomas Wake deal with this descent into madness. Like, kind of Shining-esque. Yeah. But it's it's just awesome. Like, it's not super scary in any aspect. It's just awesome to watch and behold what people can do with movies. Yeah. I agree. This movie was so risky. You know, it's super experimental. And I think Robert Eggers just absolutely pulled through and was able to, you know, take all these risks and be super ambitious. And it worked completely. Um, And of course, Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson only helped because they are great actors and they had really great chemistry. And I think this movie is so psychologically thrilling. And it's also funny. Like, it's just such an experience that if you haven't watched it, you absolutely should. It's just, it's nothing like you've seen before. Agreed. And this was the second movie that that Robert Eggers did after The Witch, Mm -hmm. which I saw before The Lighthouse. And I was like, okay, I need to watch this movie. A, A former coworker of ours was like, watch it. It's really, really good. And The Witch blew my mind in terms of, just a, a, a timepiece telling of, of you mm. know, folklore. And I was so excited when the trailer for The Lighthouse came out. I was so excited to see that Robert Pattinson was in it, who, you know, for a lot of people, they don't know that Robert Pattinson is actually a stellar actor. And he's not just Edward An Cullen. indie darling. Yeah, he's not just, you know, the, the, the guy who, you know, shined bright like a diamond in sunlight. <laughs> <laughs> um, and... He's just, he's so good. I thought he deserved uh, an Oscar. I thought Willem Dafoe definitely deserved an Oscar. Yeah. And I uh, I will hold this movie in high regard for the rest of my life. It is that good, in my opinion. I agree. So that's number two. Moving on to number three. And now we start to go off the rails because I think people are going to start <laughs> criticizing my list. <laughs> um, but it's favorite. Yeah, exactly. Everyone favorite exactly uh so these kind of go in crazy order here but number three on the list um which isn't a movie that i think will be criticized for my top five but it's uh joss whedon's the cabin in the woods which came Mm -hmm. out uh in 2011 it was produced by joss whedon it was directed by drew goddard uh in his directorial debut starred kristen connelly chris hemsworth aka thor anna hutchison (laughs) uh fran kranz jesse williams richard jenkins and bradley whitford and a lot of people will know Bradley Whitford um, for, uh, you know. The West Wing. Right. One of the like <laughs> most popular HBO shows of all time. Um, Richard Jenkins as the dad from Step Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> who told Dale no power tools. <laughs> and, you know, told him to bang the hell out of those drums. So... <laughs> Well, at least that's in the, the edited version that aired on FX. You know, that's not exactly what he says. But uh, Goddard and Whedon had a huge cult following because they worked on things like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel. Mm-hmm. And Cabin in the Woods is a satire in the best way in the horror genre. It 
is very meta in the same way of Scream. So maybe you kind of get a idea of what I tend to go for with movies because I previously <laughs> mentioned that Scott Pilgrim, which is also a pretty meta film, oh uh, yeah, is is probably my favorite movie of all time. Um, but it has uh, Evil Dead vibes. You know, a bunch of friends go to a cabin in the woods. No pun intended, or I guess it is pun intended. Um, and <laughs> things start to get really bad because not only do they determine that they're you know, probably all going to die soon, but it's all being controlled by this secret agency underground. And I was just so confused when I watched this movie for the first time because I didn't know what to expect. And it's just, it's hilarious. It's got like spooky aspects to it. It catches your eye. Oh, that's a phone ringing. Hold on. One <laughs> Alrighty. Sorry. I'm back. Um, But yeah, it's, 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 it's this awesome tale of just, what everyone knows about friends going to a cabin in the woods like evil dead and all dying but little do they know it's all being controlled by people because it's all part of the secret society that has to sacrifice teens to the gods so that the gods are satiated and they don't kill the entire world and it's got so many references in it which a lot of fans will point out and be like oh look at that oh that's crazy look at this um <laughs> it it's it's awesome the dialogue is so much fun uh chris hemsworth who, again, everyone knows as Thor. He's hilarious in this movie as being like the, the tough, big, brooding, you know, male lead who's going to save the day because he's going to beat up the bad guys. He He's hilarious. And at the very end of it, we get a cameo from Ripley herself, Sigourney Weaver, which is awesome. So this, oh. this movie is, uh, by and large, deserving of being on my top five. Um, this is one of the ones that I've told you before I need to rewatch because I remember when I watched this for the first time, I was not paying attention. And then I kind of just thought that it was like Hunger Games or something because of everyone, like, you know, they're being monitored and all of that. So I was like, what is this? Just like another Hunger Games movie. And then I just did not pay attention. So like I've told you before, I need to uh, watch this one. Yeah, give it a watch because this was a movie I watched in college with mm -hmm. my dorm mates. And they weren't big horror fans uh, really as a whole. Like my, my roommate, my best friend Nick, was a huge horror fan. But mm -hmm. uh, I had convinced one of my other sweet mates, Jimmy, uh, there was over – I think it was over – Christmas break or something we'd both gone back early mm -hmm. and it was just us two and we'd like reorganized the comm room We're like what do you want to do and he's like do you want to watch American Horror Story I heard it was really good and I was like sure why not so we binge watched all <laughs> of Murder House together which was awesome like a oh fun, nice just a fun college experience and then uh we had all gone to Walmart after everyone got back and I bought Cabin in the Woods on Blu-ray I was like yo let's watch this movie it looks like fun and it was awesome so, yeah, this movie holds a, a near and dear place in my heart for <laughs> the times it it brings back. All those mm -hmm. those fun college days of sleeping until 12 p.m. and waking up and realizing, oops, I skipped a class and <laughs> going back to bed. <laughs> uh, don't, skip, don't, don't skip class, guys. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so number three, Cabin in the Woods. Now moving on to number four. Uh, which is one of the first horror movies I ever saw uh, as a young kid, a movie that I was too young to watch at the time, but mm -hmm. a movie that my parents, uh, you know, we used to drive down to Florida, me and my uh, my step-siblings, 
and we had a DVD player in the car. Oh. And I also had a mini DVD player, so we were all allowed to get some movies that we wanted to watch in the car while we drove down to Florida. And while I was scavenging through Walmart, I was super into zombie video games, <laughs> but they also scared me, like Resident Evil we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. And I saw this movie, 2004's Dawn of the Dead, just sitting on the shelf. And I was like, oh, I'm going to grab this. I'll give this one a watch because... Why not? It's zombies. Like, I know what I'm getting into here, right? I'm not going to be totally scared. It's just going to be people eating people. Um, <laughs> so I picked it up, and this movie quickly became one of my favorites and one that just had, in my opinion, an awesome mix of action, horror, thrills, um, fun characters that you become really invested in. Like, Ving Rhames absolutely steals the show and who is you know, a, 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 an awesome part of one of my favorite movie series of all time, which is Mission Impossible, um, playing Luther. So it was awesome to see him in this movie kicking some zombie ass. Uh, <laughs> and this is not your normal horror movie, right? It came out um, in the same time around uh, 28 Days Later. And what, oh. we, what we knew of zombies was they were these slow walking guys who wanted brains. And it never, like... For the smart person, you'd be like, oh, these, they're so slow. Just outrun them. Uh, just yeah. Everyone has their zombie apocalypse ideas and fantasies played out in their head in terms of how they would defeat zombies if they ever became a real thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like, you know, not going to happen. Like, <laughs> ever. Because it's, it's a movie we're talking about. But anyway, um, this one flipped zombies on its head, made them track stars. And it just it creeped you out. It scared you. It was like, okay, crap. Now I can outrun the zombies. They're faster than me. How do I survive? Um, and obviously it's a remake of um, the George A. Romero classic, but it, it's just super fun. Like I, I really, really enjoyed this movie. Um, and I think it, I think it belongs on my top five. I think <laughs> at least at the time of writing my list, I think it belongs there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I watched this movie when I was younger, again, in that like middle school age of just watching as many horror movies as I could. And I really enjoyed this one growing up. I actually like distinctly remember loving this movie. And then I just never really watched it again in recent years. So I don't really remember what happens, but I do like have fond memories of it. Um, so I think it deserves it deserves a rewatch for sure. Yeah. And like the some of the actors in this movie as well. Um, not to mention this movie is also written by James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, who we've already mentioned Guardians of the Galaxy. But um, like I said, some of the cast, like Ving Rhames, who's awesome. Uh, Jake Weber as uh, Michael, who's the the love interest of our uh, female lead, uh, Anna. Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer is in it. Uh, which, yeah, which is awesome. I love him. Uh, Ty Burrell is in it. Um, who, or Ty Burrell uh, from... Modern Family. Oh, you, yes, yes, yes. And then you've got uh, an underrated one in the movie, in my opinion, is Lindy Booth, who um, isn't the most well-known actress in the world or anything like that, but she was in this movie called Cry Wolf, mm. which is uh, s- silly. It's really silly. <laughs> um, but it's one of my favorite horror movies of all time as well. doesn't quite make the list, but she is awesome in that, and she doesn't really have much to do uh, in in Dawn of the Dead, but when I saw her on screen, I was like, oh, I know her. 
<laughs> so as a kid, that was good enough for me. And it was zombies running around and, and a bunch of people kicking ass with, with guns and shit. So that did it for, for 10 year old me or not. I'm sorry, not 10 year old, uh, 13 to 14 year old, however old I was. Mm. So Makes yeah. Sense. yeah. Dawn of the dead. <laughs> uh, yeah, people have a lot to say about Zack Snyder. Like, I'm really excited for Army of the Dead because it's his return to zombies. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited for that as well. And I think Dave Bautista is in it as well. So, yeah, as a mm-hmm. wrestling fan, I'm down. <laughs> uh, and then number five uh, on the list, which for a lot of people doesn't deserve to be on any <laughs> list whatsoever, uh, is Final Destination three from 2006, and everyone will be like, "Wait, what?" <laughs> Final Destination 3, why that one? Record scratch. Yeah. Um, so, Final Destination 3, uh, directed by James Wong, uh, is the first horror movie I ever saw in theaters. Oh. And that's why it has uh, a lot of meaning in my life. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I had watched um, my, my stepsister, Nicole, uh, we had watched the second Final Destination when I was younger, and we were like wanting to rent a movie. And my mom was like, yeah, pick whatever you want to rent it. And, you know, my stepsister loved horror movies at the time and was fearless, so she didn't care what she was watching. And she was like, we're going to watch this, Final Destination 2. And I was like, okay, what's it about? And she's like, it's just about, <laughs> well, like, you know, like, the, they got to outrun death and stuff like that. I was like, okay, cool. I'm definitely paraphrasing. That's not how the conversation went. But Right. <laughs> um, watching Final Destination 2 scared the crap out of me because it's super gory. And at the time, I was not ready for that level of gore. And uh-huh. uh, the whole opening death scene of the, the car crash on the highway with the, the, the truck carrying all the large tree trunks and all the crazy deaths that followed it, that movie scared the crap out of me. Um, so when Final Destination 3 came out, I was like, hey, let's go see it. I had a couple friends uh, at the time who were like, you guys want to go see an R-rated movie? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> sure. Like, let's go watch Final Destination 3. So our parents had bought us tickets. And when's the movie theater? We didn't do any sneaking in. All right. We went in with parental consent. All right. That's what, at least what I'm saying right now. All right. <laughs> you know, you know, anyway. um, but so Final Destination 3, just – a goofy bad time it's not in any sense of the imagination a good movie uh and it just it follows mary elizabeth winstead who i didn't know at the time i was going to grow to love her as an actress and as a person um who plays wendy christensen and a bunch of her her high school uh students no what what do you people she went to high school with what do you call this classmates classmates I was like, that can't be what he's trying to no, say. Classmates is definitely the word I was looking for. Her um, student. She has a vision that all of her classmates are going to die on this roller coaster. So she saves the day, and we embark on this journey of trying to prevent the people who were supposed to die on the roller coaster. Uh, and it's got Ryan Merriman in it, who, you know, of course, everyone should know from the hit 1990s movie, The Luck of the Irish. Yes, and he was in Pretty Little Liars. Yes, he was. And <laughs> it's also got uh, Alexis Johnson, who at the time uh, was on this show called Instant Star, which aired oh. after Degrassi on the yeah. end. And I loved Degrassi growing up. It's just, you know, that's just the type of TV I liked. 
And Same. Instant Star was about like this songwriter in Canada who became super famous, and she was the 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 lead star. Um, and I was like, oh crap, she's in this movie. I'm definitely gonna go see it. <laughs> um, so yeah, this movie. It's just the the kills are super gory. They're gross. Like you got an engine flying out of a car and chopping up the back of some guy's head. You got the iconic sunbathing in the tanning booth uh, yes. kill, which is like I think super goofy. <laughs> um, but the the thing that I loved about this movie once it came out on DVD uh, years later when I bought it was that it had a special edition that could oh. in, that could influence what happened in the movie. Like you could change the course oh. for some of these characters. I think it was called the choose your fate uh, version of the movie. Some Something your fate. Um, uh-huh. And some decisions, little did I know, didn't really have an effect. People were going to die one way or another because that's death's design and you can't <laughs> cheat death like Mr. Bloodworth told us. But yeah, I, I just, I love this movie. I don't know why. I was going to ask you, my first question was, this is the tanning booth one, right? Because I vividly remember watching this movie. I, I think I rented it either from Blockbuster or On Demand or something like that. And I really enjoyed it. It's definitely a guilty pleasure. And it's, you know, it's fun. It's entertaining. So I'm with you. I do like this one. Yeah, it solidified my fear of roller coasters. Which is <laughs> yeah, nice. I hate roller coasters. Yeah, and I think not only like a fear of heights, but this movie definitely just hammered it home. It's like, don't get on roller coasters. I was like, you got it. No problem. <laughs> um, yeah. Tony Todd, unfortunately, is not in this one, though he does have a, a brief voiceover uh, oh. as the, the devil of the roller coaster, known as Devil's Flight. And yeah, it's like, uh, it's fun. It, it continues the universe of Final Destination, which now is like one of my guilty pleasure horror movie series of all time. Um, yeah, because they're fun. Uh, it it ends on a crazy cliffhanger, kind of. Not really, but um, I just like the fact that it like hammered home this like unique universe that they were creating with death design and people and teens trying to save each other from from a, a premonition they had. So that's my list rounded out by Final Destination Three, and the significance is it's because it's the first horror movie. I ever saw in theaters and it should have been when a stranger calls, but I ran out of that movie theater because I got <laughs> scared. So that's my story. <laughs> that's amazing. I think all these, you know, experiences are respectable and, and I'm glad that you had these experiences and like, I mean, they're not bad movies. Like even if it's, you know, final destination three isn't the best movie, but it's definitely a guilty pleasure for me. It's, like I said, entertaining. That's all. That's all we can ask for sometimes, and some good memories. So. Yeah. So my list doesn't have the the bangers on it that your does. Um, <laughs> but hey, further clarification, I didn't run screaming out of the theater. I yeah. had gotten spooked. I made a a quick phone call. <laughs> quote unquote phone call, and I told my friends, "Hey, Mom, I gotta, can you pick me up?" Yeah, I was like, "I gotta go, family emergency," and I left and my friends didn't ask again so no that was it that, the opening of that movie is so loud and i got sensitive ears so i was like oh. like i got like 
like goosebumps up and down my spine. I was like, all right, I need to get out of this situation as smoothly as possible. And I did. I'm happy for you. I'm glad you did. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, let us know, of course, in the reviews, uh, what your favorite horror movies are of all time, what you think the best horror movie is of all time. If you want to make a list, go for it. If you want to criticize the hell out of mine, because Natalie doesn't really deserve any criticism, you can also do that as <laughs> no, well. Okay. Yeah, like I'm definitely going to get some crap for having Final Destination 3 on my list. <laughs> and that's okay it's called it's called an opinion and yeah also anyone listening tweet at us and let us know if there's a movie that everyone hates and you love or vice versa if there's a movie that's supposed to be you know the best of all time and you just can't stand it let us know because that's fun it's interesting to know yeah like not horror related but we talked about it before baby driver we can't stand baby driver mm-hmm. yeah and that's okay <laughs> Yeah, it's okay to have opinions. Yeah, that's the fun. That's the fun of things. Um, uh, you know, I was gonna say like something else, but it just took it too far. Anyway, so yeah, don't crap on my list too much, okay? Just hold hold, hold no. those thoughts and feelings inside, and we can talk about it after we're done with the episode. Perfect. All right, everyone. Thank you again for listening and make sure to tune in next week. We'll be releasing another episode per usual and we'll see you next week then. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.